Hi, I'm Liz Cully, and welcome back to Cool, Cool, Cool. Each week, I give you a glimpse into what I think is cool and chat with a ton of people that are definitely cool. No topic is off bounds unless, I guess, it's not cool. Welcome to Cool, Cool, Cool. I recently read an article on Bustle titled, Is Therapy Talk Making Us Selfish? Where writer Rebecca Fishbian, who appears to be from New York and likes to write about mental health and has a lot of opinions about bagels, her words, not mine, details a few scenarios where young millennials and Gen Zers hurt their friends' feelings by putting up boundaries. That's a pretty quick summary of a decent-sized article, but I'll start with the first story. It chronicles... Anna's journey through heartache, where uh, she was dumped by her best friend via text. The alleged text reads, I'm in a place where I'm trying to honor my needs and act in alignment with what feels right within the scope of my life. And I'm afraid our friendship does not seem to fit in that framework. I can no longer hold the emotional space you've wanted me to and think the support you need is beyond the scope of what I can offer. First of all, she uses scope way too many times. Also, the writer says that Anna's 24, so I assume her friend is around the same age. So I don't know if a 24-year-old is writing this text message. Maybe she is, but I gotta be honest with you. I've sent that text or a similar one before, and actually not just once, a couple of times. I like to often include things like I'm cheering you on from the sidelines, or I just need to focus on myself, and I don't think I can be a good friend to you. But more or less, I've written that text to a few women who I used to call daily about my life problems and throw back many a cocktails and feel a deep kinship with until I just didn't. I wanted to chat with someone who has strong convictions about internet-y topics like Ozempic and, well, boundaries. So I called my homie Sarah Frazier to chat with me about it. I also just adore Sarah, and I think she's the best, um, and I wanted her to be on my podcast. It's funny because I will say I was looking for the right person to discuss this with because I'm like, who is like strong enough in their own life convictions, like have done the work on themselves to read an article like this and actually have a very informed opinion. And there you were, Sarah Frazier, right there in front of my eyes. So let, let me let me hear oh it. God, Let, let's hear it. Oh, your audience love or hate this, I'm sure. Um, well, look, I read this this bustle article you sent me, which basically is, you know, is therapy and this idea of self-care going too far, where people almost feel like I have to take such good care of myself. I owe nobody an explanation if I'm going to end my friendship. Oh, by the way, one guy who like just stopped speaking to his parents because he didn't think it was fine for self-care. No, this is bananas. And this is what I was saying to you. I started to, to say to you, I love every movement starts out with the best of intentions, right? Self-care is one of the greatest things you can do for yourself and the people around you. And self-analysis, going to therapy. I don't care. I always say this. I don't care if you had the most beautiful childhood with both parents and it was terrific and all this stuff. Every single person, life happens, trauma happens, things happen in your life. Everyone should go to therapy. Yes. And Now there's this new trend where it's almost as though self-care has become, I get to decide 
consequences be damned or other people be damned, whatever I need, all about me and, you know, not giving people some sort of explanation. No, I think that's BS. I think that's a cop out. And I don't think that's part of self-care. Self-care is having going to people and having a conversation without being overly. And this takes practice. Nobody does this perfectly all the time. Even even after you've been in therapy and you work it, I still have conversations where I leave. I'm like, oh my God, I was too emotional, too angry. This person triggers me. But you need to be able, the best part about self-care is having the strength to go to someone and go, hey, you know what? I, I didn't love the way that, you know, I went to your birthday party and I just felt like, you know, whatever you, you weren't treating me right. And, you know, I, I know you, and I don't think you're like that. And I don't want to make this a big deal, but I, I felt like this was on my heart and I had to say this to you, but what if that's like done that? Because here's the thing. This is how I took that. So I saw originally the article being posted by St. Hoax, which is my patron saint. I think St. Hoax is (laughs) the funniest fucking Instagram on the planet. And I was like, Oh, let me look at this. Most of the listeners know I used to work at Bustle. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like, let me see it and let me read it. And before I could even get to read it, I saw a lot of people posting about it that were critical of it. And those people had common uh, personality traits, alcoholism, general fucking messes, um, like the slopopotamus person that I know that probably has had this happen to them. And lo and behold, they're like, this happened to me and it hurt. And I couldn't believe that I wasn't given an explanation. I have on four occasions, four occasions over the last eight years, had to tell a friend who, I am not a professional, my wife is a professional, I'm not a professional, therapist or psychotherapist, I believe those people without over, and I did like in the article how it talked about the fact that people over you, like they diagnose people without any like recourse and or, sorry, there goes Ravioli, she agrees. Um, People diagnose other people without any fucking like authority to do so. I did appreciate that that was mentioned, but I were, if I were a betting woman, the people that I've had to kind of put up a really strong boundary and back out of the relationship were total fucking narcissists and had borderline personality disorder. One of the two or a combo of the both. And I, after trial and error, trial and error was like, this person makes me feel like complete shit. And I've tried to talk to them about it and they shut me down or they make it about themselves. And I feel like I'm stuck. And so I actually have sent like four text messages pretty fucking similar to whatever Ashley or whoever it was that was like, dude, I just cannot (laughs) healthily be your friend or take on your shit anymore. So I really saw both sides, but I agree with you. I think some people, you know, kind of use these therapy buzzwords as a cop out. I I think that's totally true, but I do. I I appreciate, like you said with, because I've, I've had a similar experience. Like I worked in radio and I worked for a guy who was a complete narcissist. And the only way to get, not get rid of him, but the only way to, you had to get away from him. Like there you was to cut any, them off. You have to cut them off. It's, you have to cut them off. It, but yeah. that was after six years and multiple attempts and people that had mediated and other people around 
you know, they wouldn't really stick up for him because he was a number one radio personality and he was not getting fired. So people would basically say, yeah, you you just need to leave. like it's your fault. You know, I mean, not really your fault, but like you have to move on because they're not getting rid of this person. But it, like you're saying multiple attempts. The part that bothered me in the article is some of the examples of people they used, like didn't even give any explanation. They just Fair. stopped speaking to someone. And when their friend reached out and said, hey, why? What happened? Why are we not speaking? They just, you know, gave a one, you know, I need self-care. You're not a part of that or something like that. That's the part to me that I think is like where self-care goes too far. I mean, that's and, and, you know, I mean, if you want to cut somebody out and you really don't care about ever hearing from them again, then do that. To me, that's just pretty old if you haven't given any attempts prior to that. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that's kind of a bummer is the people except for like one of them, I was really close friends with. And I just felt like the sort of kind of like the abuse had gone too far. And I am totally an addict for narcissists, borderline personality disorder. They attract me. I attract them. I also work pretty diligently in therapy to uncover that. I also know why it's called my mom. Um, But yes, I definitely like have that. And so I think that there is an onus on me as well to sort of set the tone out the gate and be better about boundaries from the beginning um, of it. You've been covering kind of pop culture celebrities for so long. Do you see a long time? So have I. I. Somebody asked me the other, I can't remember who it was. Somebody asked me something like, oh, well, how do you like interview people? And I just looked at them. I'm like, I have been fucking interviewing celebrities for like 15, 16, 17 years. Like, I don't know. You just sort of like, you know, we all signed up for the fucking clown show and here we are. Um, do you see self-care being m- c- perpetuated by celebrities? as well in a in a bad way and do you have an example if you i'm really throwing a curveball at you i didn't i didn't send this to you i love it that's a good question well because like gwyneth paltrow has been getting so much shit right for like goop self-care like starving herself putting eggs in her vagina steaming said vagina um she also got a lot of flack for the when she and her now husband were dating and then i think in their original i don't know if it's still a part of their kind of relationship, but they essentially were living separately and then would come together on the weekends, which I thought was kind of fabulous, but whatever. Um, But people are quite critical of Gwyneth Paltrow. And she, of I think she's kind of like the poster child of the self-care movement, good or bad. I don't know. She, uh, she is. I mean, I, I like some of Gwyneth Paltrow's stuff. You know, I like, like, I loved, I don't know if you watched Gwyneth Paltrow's sex um, show on Netflix. It was so fascinating that yeah, she got these couples to do different, you know, sex techniques and all that stuff. I'm always curious about that, you know, what it takes to have a sexually long sustaining relationship and how, you know, it's hard to keep that going. Anyway, I like some of the stuff that she does. I think with Gwyneth, the hard part is, right, is it's always that line of like Nepo baby, like, 
you know, she she comes from great privilege, which is fine. That's not her fault, you know, but I think it's like she does have the time and the luxury to experiment with a lot of things like a jade egg in your vagina, which, by the way, my OBGYN always says do not do because your vagina is an ecosystem and you're not supposed to be putting shit in it. That or it steaming it. Actually. That's like the worst. And you yeah, know what's crazy? So this is like a classic Liz Cully story, but I used to live across the street from this kid who's a sweetheart, actually. And his mom is the Ayurvedic, like, guru of the steaming of the vagina. Like, that chick that Gwyneth Paltrow goes to, I know that woman, like, which is so strange. And anyway, I've always wanted to ask her, but I it's hard because it's like this kid's mom and like, I don't want to be rude to somebody's mom and be like, why are you telling everybody to steam their vaginas with like herbs and shit? I'm like, dude, that is a yeast infection just waiting to happen. Um, Will you move to Los Angeles? Is it two years now? God. One, it was one year in January. So oh, I've been year in and a half. LA. Very new Angelino, but I, I absolutely love LA. Do you feel the self-care and like therapy talk bullshittery here in everyday life? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think that is like, yes, yes. I think that part is for me way harder to navigate than any, like, I do not find the people here fake at all. I guess it's probably because I moved from D.C. And a lot of people refer to D.C. as the Hollywood of the East. So I feel like it's the very same type of people. So I never I don't struggle at all with the people here. I really enjoy the people. I struggle with there is so much self-help here. And and um, I was talking to you about this. I'm trying to have another baby. I'm going through IVF. I am finding that process. There's so the minute I put it out there, which I'm used to this because I put a lot of stuff out, but I'm inundated with go to my nutritionist here in L.A. Go to my fertility coach here in L.A. Uh, go to my acupuncturist here in L.A. And I do have so the best acupuncturist. I did forget to tell you that. I really do. I've been talking. I mean, Russell is a dear friend, but I will say like he's the fucking best. So if you want to go to that. Okay, I do want to go. I actually do want to go to him. Okay, I do want to go. <laughs> you would so, love him. <laughs> he's the best. Even like getting your IVF doctor is such a, a business and a, you know, like what kind of service? I find that part. Yeah, it's almost overwhelming to me that we have so many self care um, options. And I try to like because, you know, you you know, my diet story, I've done so, I did so many diets for years and I, I always was like looking. I was there was always a kind of a craziness with me of like the next diet is it the next thing is it. So I really try when that happens, like people are like, oh, this fertility coach is like magic. I try to go back to people in my life that kind of keep me a little grounded, like my OBGYN that I had in D.C. for 10 years. She's a friend. So I call her and I'm like, do you think that this fertility coach and all these supplements will be the answer? And she's like, no, you know, no. What the I fuck mean, is a fertility can... coach? By the, I, what does that even mean? I don't. They, you, oh, what? Oh, get ready. You're going to be inundated. There's many here in Los Angeles. They you go and get blood work and they read your blood and they tell you, well, do you have vitamin D deficiency? You can you can look at your egg count through your blood. They can tell if you have iron issues, hormone issues, and then they want to make adjustments through herbs. Some of that, some of it is good. But I think I struggle even now with where, how do you know the line? And to me, I always think a lot of this is not worth like 
spending thousands of dollars and it is thousands of dollars. Like I just talked to a fertility coach here in LA who wanted me to join for $5,000. And I'm like, that answers my question now. Like, like I'm sorry. Wait, no. <laughs> oh my God. But, it, but after the, co- I guess what I'm wondering is like, what's the coaching outside of, because I just went to the OBG. I mean, I just went to my gyno and he's like, yeah, you're vitamin D low. You have a low egg count. Like, fucking take 2000 BTU or whatever it is of vitamin D and go outside. And I was like, okay, I'm like, fair enough. <laughs> but what does a, fer- is a fertility coach also like telling you when to have sex? Um, no, because you take, you do like the ovarian, you do the, the pee sticks that tell you, but they, you know, they offer all kinds of things, helping you with meditation, helping you no, to visualize. No, tell this chick to fucking kick rocks. This is <laughs> ridiculous. This is ridiculous. But you're right. Like, there is so many. Co- I mean, listen, the big craze that I've seen sort of calm down a little bit, but not really, was really. So when Kelly Levac, do you know who that is? She does oh, the no, fat, I don't Fab think- Five diet. She did like. No. She was. um um, Chelsea Handler, uh, oh my God, she was like everybody's dietitian. Um, Molly Sims, uh, the chick that did Honest, that's a, a multi billionaire, Jessica Alba, yeah. she, yeah, yeah. And I read her book. And I, I mean, the amount of chia seeds and avocado, I was like, I am getting heavier eating all of this fat. Like, what am I doing right now? But she came along and her whole thing was really like whole fruits and vegetables and food. I actually like the concept of it. However, I was like, why am I eating like five avocados a day? This seems excessive and insane. But there was this idea of all these different coaches that popped up. There's like V's Honey on Instagram. There's this other girl named Shauna Fulisi, who's completely full of shit that I sort of knew back in the day. And she kind of fucked me over because I introduced her to somebody and she did some shit and I don't care sue me on my podcast but I am sure she's great now and I'm sure she's learned a bunch but like all these people that were charging for basically like going to the farmer's market and teaching rich bitches in LA how to make smoothies and I remember being like I think that's actually gone a step too far like why do I need to pay someone to buy kale like it just I think LA goes through these waves I think the therapy the therapy talk I think is really having a moment. I think you're right. I think things come, they start with good intentions. Telling people to eat more fruits and vegetables starts with good intentions. But the like straight, like the life coach uh, takeover of Los Angeles. And I'm sorry, do you see a life coach? I uh, know. No, you can. I don't see anybody now. I mean, okay. I, because I'm like, know, I, I am going to talk shit about life coaches. So be talk careful. Talk shit, talk shit. No, I mean, my real. I'm sure you have this person in your life. My my husband is like my North Star in a lot of ways because he is very, very practical. He's the yin to my yang. So I, I usually run things through him and he always gives me like, you know, are these people willing to give you a money back guarantee, right? Like, are they, you know, your fertility coach, right? What is she, if she doesn't get you pregnant in six months, is she giving you your $5,000 back? Which of course, as you know, most of these people will never do that because it's speculative. And not only that, but it's on you too to do a lot of it. Right. Um, but it's also, it's also a lot of shit, you know, it's, it's a lot of shit, really. A lot of I shit. mean, it's not made in science. And I think, I try to go to him and I go, what do you, what do you think? Should I try this? And sometimes I do try things like I will 
you know, I've been to different meditation retreats and I love it. Like you take some things away and then some, some of it you're like, oh, this is like, I'll never do this again. And I think people should experiment and try things. I think where it, like where I see it so upsetting is I, you see people spending paycheck to paycheck to try to have this smoothie coach thinking that that is going, or this life coach that's going to change things. I did that a couple of years ago when I was really at a point of giving up my podcast business or continuing because it, I was like three and a half years into podcasting and wasn't making any money. My podcast is seven years old, but at the first three years, like no one wanted to advertise. No one knew where to find a podcast. And I went to this coach and it was $2,500 to visualize the life that I wanted. Was it relaxing? Yes. Uh, was it propelling my business fucking forward? No. You know what propelled my business forward? Talking to other small business owners and realizing being an entrepreneur is sucks for most people. It's highs and lows and like, you know, connecting with people that were going through what I was going through, getting advice from business people who were better than me that had actually had a successful business. That was the shit that really like did it. And most of that was free. Now, it took a while to find, but most of it came for free. Do you find the like self-help bullshittery just oozing out of the moms that you deal with? Or is it not a few and far between? Well, my son is two. And um, so far, you know, the mom interactions that I've had have been at the parks. And I do have a couple of girlfriends that have kids here um, that are around my age that I actually knew before I moved here. Like I've known from other work experiences. One I grew up in Maine in high school with. So there's this like shared bond, right? Of like what motherhood is really like. When you go to the park and you go to the playground, I mean, there are moms of all different types, right? There's the mom that is like, doesn't want her kid to get that dirty. There's the other parent. You know, there's a lot of parents that come in and they really want their kid to share. And it's like, these kids are two. You know, they don't want to share. They they love their own ball. They don't really want to give it up. And the parents, we all spend all this time trying to negotiate to get them to share. And I... I I think, I don't know, I haven't attracted a lot of new mom friends because I like sit on the park bench, mostly because I need a break. And I just like let him run around until he like doesn't want to share the ball after a while. And I can tell like the parent wants to share the ball. So I'm like, all right, KJ, come on, come on. We got to share the ball, you know? And like, so I, I don't know. I mean, I probably you feel this way, but I do. I attract certain type of people too, but I think I'm just, I just kind of try to roll with it. And I try to meet people where they are and I can sense like a parent that is really high strong or if they get into immediately, if I'm worrying about where my kid is going to go to school, I'm like, I'm I'm probably not your friend. Like, I, I don't say that yeah, to them, but I'm like, fair enough. I'm not interested. Like, I'm not going to be with somebody where we're already angling for what kindergarten. I'm like, I, I literally no. haven't even been to a fertility doctor, worried about it, thought about it. And my wife is like, we got to move. The, the schools are just not up to snuff here. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We literally left L.A. proper to come to the like immediate suburbs to figure it out. Like, what? Like, what are you even saying, Rachel? I mean, she's like so crazy. And I'm. it's just so weird that that's like the hill she's going to die on before we've even had a child. Which, by the way, you have... So much time, even when you do have a kid to figure that shit out, that I'm like, so much. Okay. I'm like, you are so far ahead of yourself, but like, you live in that world. You live over there. And I think, you know, the kids' stuff is funny. I 
don't have one, but I go to many, you know, I go to kids' parties. More specifically, my friend Nelly, who lives in town and has like 45,000 children who keep having birthday parties. But I love to bring my dog Ravioli, who like doesn't like kids. So that's a really smart, strong decision on my part. And she's adorable and every child wants to touch her. And I have to walk around the park being like, mm, no, I'm sorry. She's scared. You can't touch her and like have kid after kid and parent after parent who doesn't know me, who does not understand why I'm at said party. I'm walking around being like, there's no booze here, like coffee, donuts. Like, why the fuck are we in the park at nine in the morning on a Saturday? Like, Obviously hungover, yep. walking around with a dog, and these people are just like, oh, my God, Nelly, why did you invite your friend? But, like, whatever. And then all the kids just want to play with me because they're like, mm, she's like an adult but not like a real one because she doesn't have kids. So that's sort of my experience these days with moms. But I do sort of – the I, I can watch from a distance and judge – um, having been a nanny, watching some parents just like obsess over what they're feeding their kids or like you said, getting dirty. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, we all ate. Like I ate probably in my life, I don't know, a pound or two of Play-Doh. Oh, like I'm I sure. have more yeah, fine. I'm sure. Like, I mean, I ate who the fuck knows what I ate. I'm sure a couple of crayons slipped in there somewhere. I'm just fine. Oh, you know, I'm with you. And I, I do have to say, I think, too, that's been one of the things, too, that I love about L.A. is you can find any group of, of moms here. Right. Like, I, I do feel like I'm finding that group of moms where, you know, my son, I used to always judge parents that had kids that were dirty. My son is filthy all the time. I, I mean, you bathe him and two hours later, he has dirt under his fingernails. He had I mean, he loves to be dirty. And I <laughs> Never thought I'd be a mom with a dirty kid. And now I'm just like, okay, he's dirty. And I am just going to find other people that realize that it's these kids I have are the filthy. friend for you. I'm telling you, come to Glendale. I, you've got to meet my friend. They're the best kids ever. I fucking love those little boys more than anything. And they are. Oh my God. Buck and his clothes wild. are always stained. I'm always stained. Like, oh you know, always. And, it's yeah. crazy. It's really, it's a real wild ride. But it's interesting. I'm wondering, you know, as. KJ gets older and even as my friends kids get older and and eventually when I do how much of this like millennial therapy talk will then be distilled rearranged watered down to said children and I wonder if they're going to just be like walking around the playground all day being like you need to respect my boundaries um you took my ball which is like triggering me like I wonder how the language is going to seep into the little ones. Do you think it will? I think it's got to, right? My God, yes. I haven't even thought about that, honestly. Sorry. Which, Here I am I'm to crush about. dreams. That's what <laughs> yeah, I do. But do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if it's just going to like... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you didn't that think about I that, huh? You know, you want them to just be little. And you know... I mean, I will say I like a little bit of like dreading the heartache, right? Because, you know, no matter who you are, there are going to be kids that don't want to hang out with you. There are going to be kids that don't want to hang out with my son. Then there are going to be times where, you know, he's the one picked on. Then the, he'll be the one picking on other kids. And, you know... I, I think more of like, God, how am I going to handle these situations? Um, and I hope all my years of therapy help more than maybe my parents did, hopefully. I love Sarah to death and I could talk to her all day long. I don't necessarily agree with Sarah completely about all of her views within the article because obviously I'm guilty of uh, writing text messages like this to people. But 
I really liked musing about what little kids on the playground sound like using the therapy talk language, you know, Um, just getting picked on and talking about being triggered and just starting those abandonment issues early. Uh, I wanted to chat with one of my younger friends, Jordan, who is an associate marriage and family therapist here in Los Angeles. Jordan is what I would consider one of my like cool, hot, young lesbian friends. And so I figured she would have potentially a strong opinion and a different one. I also wanted to see if I was like a total boomer about this and (laughs) surprised that she and I were actually pretty aligned. You do have to promise me one thing. What? You cannot become like a cringy TikTok therapist. Oh, no, no. Could you imagine like looking up, like going, looking for a therapist and like finding them like this crazy TikTok following? I saw this woman the other day and I think I, I definitely followed her, but I have to save her stuff. But she's specifically a love and relationship therapist for lesbians on TikTok and has like this massive following. She's a, she's a a mature, mature woman. (laughs) I won't call her old because God knows I'm old, but definitely I would presume over 55 60 and like some of the stuff she's saying is totally great but i'm like dude could you imagine like i would be fearful that my therapist would say i don't know like even if they didn't identify me i would be fearful yeah. of that so that is why is you as an mf m a m f t associate marriage and family therapist um i'm like eh, a b c d you as an associate have to promise me that you won't do that because i will be i won't do that i promise i won't do that and I mean, rachel if you if anyone you should be more scared of rachel not me but yeah yeah that's not for me i think some people like it like some people are really turned off by a therapist being like an influencer or whatever and some people think it's cool but it's not for me Listen, you've got the face, the body, and the attitude for it, but you can't you can't do it. Um, so I love that I sent you this article, Jordan, to get your thoughts because I just it's interesting to me the co-opting of therapy language that has gone on pretty like I would say recently, probably in the last five, maybe, maybe like eight years um, in social media, I think probably because in a, in a positive way, more people are seeking therapy. I think more people are sharing, you know, the struggles that they've had with mental illness or, you know, specific times in their life where they felt like they needed um, help, which I love all of that. I'm like super here for, but, you know, I'd love to get your take on how you interpreted some of the scenarios that were outlined in that article because in our in our small text ex- exchange i feel like we're probably pretty aligned but did you feel like these people that were being profiled were co-opting language or do you think that perhaps it's more complex than that well i think it's probably more complex than that i think it's not black and white and we obviously don't know the details of the situations of these people that were outlined I think people do co-opt language, like you were saying, especially with TikTok. You know, you see one thing about something, you're like, oh, I have that. So you start using that type of language. But I think that 
with setting boundaries, like how they're outlining in the article and how they're being like HR or like using these therapy words, um, likely the person who's on the other side of the boundary has never had someone set serious boundaries with them. And so they have a really strong reaction to someone like setting a wall kind of. Um, and then they react negatively to that. It's funny in my therapy this morning, I because I have to deal with setting boundaries all the time. I'm bad at it. I have to practice it. I have my like family of origin situation was wildly chaotic in a lot of ways. You know, my mom was in some ways the most amazing, like, like, you know, rock for me in some ways, but most of the time she was pretty unreliable, which sucks. And that makes you like totally dysregulated. And for me, no surprise, I want everyone to like me. I want to entertain them. I want to keep them around. I am scared that if I put up a boundary, they will stop talking to me or like the relationship can't withhold a boundary. And I think a lot of times relationships can't. And um, it sucks. It it really sucks. And so t- this morning, my therapist and I were talking about me having to set <sighs> all the- these boundaries recently, which has just been agonizing for me. But then on the flip side, I was like, you know, what's really interesting. I can't remember a time that I've ever been on the receiving end of an of a text message or an email or a phone conversation or in-person conversation about how I was disrespecting somebody's boundary. Yeah. Not to, not to say I'm like a perfect person or that I'm not like, of course I have my issues. I'm like crazy. Um, you know what I mean? I'm nuts. Right. But I was like, I've never had anybody say that to me before. You know what I mean? Yeah. You probably haven't had that. You haven't probably haven't crossed someone's boundaries that significantly over and over and over again. I also think that those people who set those boundaries like that were outlined in the article and people in the world who do that, likely they've tried to set boundaries like more than once, like a little by little with those people. And the people on the receiving end maybe didn't recognize that, didn't respect the boundary. So then they were kind of forced to set more of a hard boundary. Um, I also think that as a society, like you said, you're bad at setting boundaries. We all are like, we're not encouraged to set boundaries, you know, in, in the United States, like with work, we're not encouraged to set boundaries. It's always like productivity, do more, do more, do more. Um, so I think setting boundaries is really uncomfortable because we don't know how the other person's going to react and we're not used to doing it. So sometimes maybe people overcompensate. They set a really hard boundary because they don't, think that going softer is going to get across their needs to the other person. It's interesting people who push boundaries or don't respect other people's positions, point of views, or even life experience. That's where I really feel like I've had to set boundaries where I'm like, wow, you fucking don't consider me at all. Like, you don't consider being late. I mean, I just die laughing. Obviously, I'm not, I will not say any names because that's, it's my podcast. But like, you know, so many people I've had to fucking set boundaries with, or or we've all as a friend group kind of been like, what the fuck? Like, do you know what I mean? Like you, 
totally, I'm sure you can deduce it's not who we were talking to earlier, uh, talking about earlier with somebody else, but we were all like, what the fuck? Like, you haven't shown up or you haven't, you know, or you keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And I think, you know, why therapy is so great and why I think everybody should go to therapy regardless of what's going on is you really learn how to practice giving a shit about other people. Yeah. (laughs) Like recognizing certain patterns or, um, you know, tough circumstances. I think sometimes I, I, again, I think because of how I grew up, I, definitely make excuses for people a lot. And then I do tend to get pushed to a point, like you said, where you all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I got to put a hardcore boundary up. I'm trying to navigate where from the jump (laughs) I can kind of like put up these boundaries from, you know, the beginning so that that boundary later on won't feel sort of like a choke chain. Right. Yeah. I think that if one thing is like, from the beginning of a relationship, starting to put boundaries up and just have that person know the type of person that you are. It's hard though. I think, yeah, it is hard. And it's hard to do it mid relationship. Like it's hard to set boundaries with someone who knows what they can get away with. And I'm not saying it's like a malicious thing, but like with parents, for example, you know, your, your parents and you have a relationship you go off on your own, then you come home as an adult and you start setting all these boundaries and the parents are like, whoa, what are you doing? You know, because they aren't used to that. Um, And then add in if that person is narcissistic or like has trauma of their own or like, you know, just isn't a good person. um, It's going to be even harder for them to respect those boundaries, especially also if you think about their childhood, like the other person's childhood, we were talking about like how you grew up if they got away with anything they wanted growing up, they're not going to be used to boundary putting placed on them as an adult. I did see a couple of people post that were not in favor of the article. And one of those people I was saying to Sarah Frazier earlier is like my sloppiest, sloppiest acquaintance where I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like no shit. People have had to put up boundaries with you and not wait nor necessarily give you the space to respond because you are a slop, a fucking potamus, and you probably like, you know what I mean? Like don't hold the space for other people. Do you think drugs and alcohol also can play a part in some of these conversations as well? Uh, A thousand percent. Um, I think that just at the very base level, we know what drugs and alcohol do to us. We do things we wouldn't normally do. We say things we wouldn't normally say. So drugs and alcohol are already going to put us in a position to be more able and willing to cross someone's boundaries. Also, it's a really self-seeking thing. Like I know I'm sober now, but when I was drinking and in the work that I've done, I realized like how selfish I can be and no one else's boundaries matter. I can't even see anyone else's boundaries. I was hurting my partner, hurting my friends because all I could think about was myself, how bad I felt. Um, So I couldn't even see what was going on around me. And then when I got sober and was doing some of this work, I could start to see my part in a lot of it. And I think when you're forced to look at yourself like that, it's really, really uncomfortable. And that's what people don't want to do, which is understandable to a point, you know, but then when you start losing friends and you start losing family, it's like, okay, if every single person around you is saying the same thing, Maybe it's you and it's not so much them. Yeah. 
It's tricky. Some of the people that I've had to cut out, I mean, it's only, I've, it's really only three or four people that I've had to have like that type of conversation with that was outlined in the article, which is essentially like, I can't hold space for, like you're taking up way too much space and it's not reciprocated, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of really the feeling, I think, yeah. um, when people push boundaries. You're like, whoa, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing, but you're not, you know, you're not pushing back for me, right? Yeah. And it's tricky because two of these people are still very close friends with all of my friends. And I went to a wedding last year and saw, you know, and this girl was like my best friend. It was painful. It was awful. And like, yeah. to your point, I had tried so many different things, but she, it just went too, it went too far. And it yeah. wasn't even boundary necessarily. It was just she was a fucking asshole and she hated my wife, which, as you know, is the most boundaried motherfucker I have ever met <laughs> ever in my life, maybe to her own detriment. I don't know if you can be too boundaried, but boy, oh, boy, my wife is like and like just like the man in the Iron Castle or like whatever. She yeah, just which like, I think we could all learn from her. <laughs> Rachel just holy god like and it's crazy because with this particular person she hated Rachel hated Rachel because of how about she just Rachel wasn't giving into the shit she yeah. just wasn't she was like not giving in and you know that became really a big, uncomfortable for a person with no boundaries crazy and actually motherfuckers will squirm real quick around Rachel you even know a couple of them they squirm, they die, they just can't. And I'm like, this is so funny to watch, but whatever. But I saw her at this wedding and you know, I was so nervous and yeah. so, cause I think the only thing that kind of bothered me in that article is I don't know if it really displayed, and maybe this is selfish on my part, but I don't think it really talked about what you've said now and we've said a few times already is like the lead up, it was, emotionally exhaustive for me to try to think about how I was going to reframe our friendship and or end it. Like it was agonizing. Same thing with another friend I recently last year was like, you're a fucking dick and I can't keep having these same conversations about boundaries with you and you can't respect them. And but I'm sometimes like- Sometimes years leading up to that. Years. And also, I think the curtness that the article points out, like in the type like the way the person's saying it and how it doesn't leave room for a discussion or explanation is because in the discussion, that person might push and push and push and push and push against that hard boundary the person's trying to set. So it's easier to just cut it off so that they don't have to go through all that emotional like turmoil again after the fact. And it's not to say that the person who's receiving the boundary is a bad person. It's just their set of circumstances, their life, their mental state, whatever, lends itself to them being more self-centered at that point in their life. And they're not able to give that friend, that family member, whatever, the same amount that they're giving them. But it's sometimes hard for them to see, which is why I think some of the people in the article were saying like, I just, it came out of nowhere. But a lot of times it's, it actually didn't come out of nowhere. They just didn't see it. You see, I can imagine a lot of young folks interacting on, not just 
clients, which I know we would never identify or talk about, but I'm just saying like in you're a younger person. So I feel like you see, I had to just clarify not <laughs> who you see for work, but who you see in the world. Yeah. But do you see a lot of people turning to things like Instagram or TikTok for, you know, advice that they should or perhaps otherwise without it would have gone and seen a therapist? And if you do see that, what are your thoughts on that? So yes, I do see that. My sister's in her early 20s and like her, I see that with her friends and also with younger clients that I see. Um, They'll be like, I saw this therapist on TikTok say XYZ thing. And like, I feel so torn about it because part of me is like, that's amazing that you can find validation and community on the internet and be seen in a certain way and be like, wow, this is what's going on for me. Someone else in the world feels that way. And there's a name for it. I think that is like so amazing that kids have access to that now and young adults. But then on the flip side is yes, I think it stops people from getting services. Um, It makes people think they're experts. It, it makes people who maybe already are kind of on, like they feel like they know it all. And then they see something like that. And then it confirms some, it confirms a belief that they have that kind of fuels their ineffective behavior or, you know, negative relationships. So I do think that it kind of, what's that saying? It's a double-edged sword Mm -hmm. uh, because I love it. And I also hate it. After listening to Jordan and I chat, I, really need to get something off my chest. Lexus, my darling editor who you know I love. I'm sorry. I've said sorry to you so many times on this podcast. I've been off the rails the last couple of months. I have missed every deadline. I have not respected your boundaries. I kind of feel like an asshole making an episode about boundaries and then not really respecting yours. And I'm really sorry. I've just been very overwhelmed with work and the house and I'm trying to get better at delivering you episodes early. So I guess I'm an asshole and I'm sort of embarrassed. That said, I would like to say that the net net on all of this and the co-opting of therapy language and behavior on the internet is tricky. I agree with Jordan. I think it's a double-edged sword. I think it's cool that like young people are talking about mental health issues and that they're going to therapy. And I also, it's not for me, but I think it's cool that people can access mental health via the internet. I would also say if you're going to go do that, make sure that it's like regulated and real and respectable and all those kinds of things. I just think it's like where it gets tricky is like like all things like wealth, health, relationships. Many people don't do the work and they just try to get the benefits from a quick fix or faking it till they make it, which I've obviously done for the majority of my life. I don't regret ending a few relationships over text. I don't. I, I I had to end it. I feel like it's better than a slow roll or a ghost. And honestly, I can tell you, kind of like Jordan and I talked about, I did try to do a slow roll and it didn't work. And I'm not going to ghost anybody because nobody likes how that feels. And apparently nobody really likes how it feels when you put up a boundary and tell them that you don't like their behavior. I wish on some level that I still had a relationship with a lot of my ex-friends, but guess what I never got from any of them after I 
tried to talk to them and put up boundaries. I never got a fucking thank you. I never got a fucking apology. I never got an acknowledgement. I never got an I'm sorry. So guess what? The wall went up, the wall stayed, and the wall, she stays put. Head on over to my Patreon to check out the video of Sarah and I chatting. And uh, tell me what your thoughts are about boundaries. Boundaries. 